My Wax Museum is a proud member of the Creative Grapevine. Hey guys, real quick before we jump into things, I would love it if you'd leave us a review. You can do that at ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Again, that's ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by my friend, Mimi Brimhall. Mimi and I actually only just met quite recently, but she's got some interesting perspectives on life, a love for history, and a love for her family. So we talk all about that today. And of course, remember to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Mimi Brimhall. Welcome to My Wax Museum. Hello. So um, I always start, like I say, with starting out every episode with how we know each other. Do you want to fill everybody in on how we know each other? Yes, I would love to. We met three months ago. Has it been three months? Something about that, yeah. Um, from church. They organized us into small groups so that we could still have church during COVID. And so... That's where we initially met. Yeah, pretty basic. Known each other for three months. And uh, yeah, I told, you, I told you guys about podcasting. And then last week, I think I was like, I'll have you on. I'll have you on my podcast. Um, so, okay, fill me in. I know a little bit about where you're from and like your life and stuff. But let's start with where you're from originally. Hackettstown, New Jersey. Hackettstown, New Jersey. Okay, I remember you telling me something about this. Fill me, fill me in again on like... There's a story behind it. Yeah, yeah. And it's connected to my name. Um, so Hackettstown, New Jersey is where I was born. It's also the hometown of the M&M factory where all the M&Ms are made. On every packet of M&Ms it, on the back, it says Hackettstown, New Jersey. That's usually where they're, they come from. And <clears throat> so my initials, MMB, my parents decided to name me M&M because of the M&M factory that's there. Uh, but since then, since I was born, born there, we've, I've moved 14 times before I came to college. Okay. So first of all, I love like that your parents decided to like give you two M names because of the M&Ms being made in Hackettstown, New Jersey, where you were born. And like the few things that I know about your parents, that just seems like a them thing to do. I've never met them, but the things that you've said about them, I'm like, yeah, that, that fits. Um, so then you've moved a lot. So um, where, where like have you been? I, so I moved a lot as a baby. Um, so my father was a computer consultant, so he jumped from company to company, and we just followed along. And so we've lived in Colorado, Mexico City, Mexico. That was only for nine months. I turned one there, so pretty exciting. Um, North Carolina and Virginia, and we've moved around various places within those states. Sorry, I'm like... Super yawny, looking looking straight into the light. It's like I don't know why, but um, so okay. So you've moved around a lot. Um, you went to Mexico City. Um, I'm assuming you don't remember anything about it. 
Not a thing, but I do know that my first word was partially in Spanish. Partially in Spanish. How do you have a first word partially in Spanish? Well, <laughs> so caliente is hot, like heat. Don't touch that. It's going to burn you. And we had like a, a room furnace, just like a heating unit in the room. But every time we walked by, you'd say cal, cal for caliente. It's hot. Right. Don't touch. And so as a child, my first word was cal for really? caliente. Yeah. That's so funny. Yep, and I don't know like a Spanish after that. <laughs> <laughs> really? You're like, my first word <laughs> was like baby talk Spanish. <laughs> and then nothing since then. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's awesome. So, okay. Um, okay, so then you moved to the southern states. You lived in North Carolina, did you say? Mm-hmm. And, and then mostly in Virginia, is that right? So that's where I claim home. It's where I've been the longest. Um, tell me about Virginia. I've never been. I know very little little about it. Um, so fill me in. What What is the best thing about Virginia? Well, I'm from the Virginia Beach, so I'm from the beach. Mm-hmm. I'd say the best part of Virginia is the beach because I'm from there. Many people might argue that fact, um, but I'd say it's it's the beach from where I live. We also have um, part of the Appalachian Trail in Virginia. There's a lot of historic sites in Virginia. There's Williamsburg, Jamestown, Yorktown. Like you can go there, people are dressed up, just talk with people that are from the time period kind of. And I, I genuinely love history. And so I love like, Early America history, American history. I think it's fascinating. I love dressing up. And so whenever we go to Williamsburg, I usually dress up. I have a bonnet, skirt, like everything. Is that a family thing or like a you thing? I think it's a family thing. I got it from my mother. She also likes dressing up. Really? Okay. Okay, which also this tracks for what I know about you and your family too. Um, Then when, when you go and you're like participating in this, I'm curious... Does do you think that your love of history uh, is that like you know more of a nature thing or a nurture thing? Like, do you think you were kind of raised into that, or it's something that you kind of found your own love and appreciation for? I think I found it's a combination of both because my parents being homeschooled, a big part of my life was to love learning and to become a lifelong learner. And so that was kind of ingrained in me as a child. And I'm like, heck yeah, I want to I learn about things when I'm 82. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Why not? I'll learn about something very random. Who, who knows? But growing up, I didn't, it, I didn't register how much I loved history. But I, I do thoroughly enjoy it. I don't, I'm not a pro at it or anything. But I do enjoy history. Um, like going to these historic places, learning about new countries and just their history, like ancient history, so fascinating, so much fun. Um, and then I went to New York for a year and a half as a service volunteer historic guide for some sites up there. And that was just amazing to, to spend a year and a half just doing that, um, talking about certain events that happened in New York, upstate New York. 
So I want to I want to kind of go through all of these different uh, mentions of history that that you've given because um, I I like history as well. Like I would love I would love to have like a history podcast <laughs> just because I think history is so cool. I have a friend with a history podcast though, so I'll leave that to her. Um, so okay, so you mentioned early American history. Um, what things interest you most about it? I do find like the day-to-day living very fascinating and some of the politics interest me but I don't know too much about that um, like historical politics I don't know too much but it intrigues me enough that I want to dive into it more. So let's maybe roll with the day-to-day living stuff because like that's that's not that interesting to me. Like I'm definitely more on like the political history side of things and the like culture and stuff. But the the day to day, why is that so interesting to you? Growing up, that was one of the topics we could choose when we chose a country to study was a day in the life of an ancient Roman person. And so just that concept has stayed with me. And it's, I mean, it it envelops everything about that time period because it includes what they would wear, what they would talk about, what they would eat, certain things that would happen in town, or just interesting aspects of the world would apply to their life. Interesting. Yeah, it is a, I guess it's a very, um, like, micro thing, right? You're, You're getting into somebody else's shoes and kind of seeing what their experience at that moment was like. Um, so then what, what do you think is the most interesting thing that you've learned about the day-to-day life of early colonial slash revolution uh, United States? You might laugh. <laughs> it makes me laugh. But in colonial Williamsburg, this very odd fact has just stayed with me. But they would have seashell roads, like walkways. And that was for the women, so that spiders wouldn't crawl up their dresses. Yeah, so spiders don't like seashells. And they don't like walking on seashells, and so they don't. And so if there's a pathway of, like, broken seashells, the women with very long dresses that would reach the ground, if they were walking on the seashells they wouldn't get spiders in their dresses that is such a like an elegant solution i know and it looks so pretty like there's these white pathways that just like lead from like this big building in town to the next big building there's like these white beautiful pathways of broken shells that is so fascinating that's rad huh well now i learned something new that's awesome um you also mentioned your interest in world history and learning about other countries. Do you have a particular uh, particular place and or time period that you enjoy learning about? Uh, multiple. <laughs> I am fascinated by Egypt. That comes from my mother. She's very, she loves Egypt, ancient Egypt. And so I've, I've learned a lot from her from that as well as Greek and Roman. I think those are very fascinating time periods 
to learn about. And what fascinates you about them? For Greek and Roman, it would be probably their wars, like conquering and stuff. And then for Egypt, I really like, it's just a whole nother, con like a whole different world in Egypt from what I'm used to and what I've learned. I mean, there's sand literally everywhere. There's pyramids that are made of sand rock. Like, like pyramids, first of all, are just phenomenal. I also love architecture. It's also one of the things of why I like both of these um, time periods is the architecture is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I do like mythology. I think it's very fun to see how people viewed deity in different time periods. And so, like, what, um, so, I don't know if you've mentioned this in the interview yet or not, but I know this about you, you were homeschooled, and so what was that education process like that allowed you to, you know, jump into these different time periods and, and study them? Was it something that you got to learn a lot about, or was it kind of like a, a sprinkling here and there? Oh, no. If we were going to study a topic, we went all the way in. Like, you dive right into the water. You don't just dip your toes in. You full sub submission. Um, and so I love the way that my, my mom taught me. Um, she taught me a lot of, like, the history and stuff. And we would get into groups where I'd learn stuff from other teachers or other parents. Like, I learned math and science, not from my mom, but from others. Um, but my mom, she taught me a lot about history and just, I love it. So we would choose a country and then we would spend like a semester on that country and we would just dive in like every week there was a new topic like, oh, this week we're going to be talking about what they wore in ancient Greek, Greece. And then the next week, what they ate. And then the next week, what are some of their philosophies? And then mythology was like, that one spent like a month and a half because it's just so good. It's so good. There's a lot there. And it really, um, it really uh, educates you on how they were living and why they lived certain ways when you get into the mythology. So do you have uh, a particular piece of mythology that was really interesting to you? I don't think, I don't have it on the tip of my tongue, but it's the story of, is it Icarus? Where he creates him and his, the wings, yeah, and he flies, mm -hmm. but he flies too close to the sun and the wax melts and then he falls into the water and dies. Yeah. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> what do you love about it? I like how there's a line, like you can't be too far or too close to the water because there's a sweet spot. And I feel like there's a sweet spot in life. Like in anything you do, there's a sweet spot. Like for example, podcasting, you can't do it too often. Otherwise you'll get sick of it. Or if you do it not often enough, it's going to be inconsistent. So there's a sweet spot. And I feel like everything has that sweet spot. Icarus just decided to go too far and die. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. Um, is, is there anything in your life where you feel like you've found the sweet spot where you're like, I'm doing this just right? I'm not sure. I don't, well, 
I'd say my friendships. Some of my friendships, I feel like, are in the sweet spot. Where I can turn to them and just have a great conversation. We can hang out um, and have fun. I feel like I feel like that's a sweet spot. That and my relationship with my parents. Yeah, I, I'd say those are pretty, like, important areas. Like, if you're only going to choose one thing to do well, you know, your relationships is probably... Um, pretty important. Hey guys, future Alex here, just popping in to make that simple request again. It really helps the show if you leave us a review. You can do so at ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Again, that's ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Now, back to the show. And so what, what has it taken to find that, find that range, that area where you feel comfortable um with with these people and interacting with them and in that relationship that you have with them i think the most important is spending time with them and understanding who they are how they react basing their react like understanding what what they would like what they would dislike and approaching them with certain matters like for example, one of my friends is just super not interested into, like, scary stuff. I'm not very interested in the scary stuff either. But I know not to approach that person with, like, oh, hey, there's a new scary movie. Have you seen? Like, I'm not going to bring that up because I know they haven't. Right. Like, I know enough about them that I can relate to them or, like, start a conversation that's meaningful. Yeah, where you can kind of, um, I guess, apply that knowledge and that as well as like the time that you spent with them to make sure that you're not hurting them or like or just being totally unaware insensitive hmm. yeah i like that it takes a long time to get to that point yeah <laughs> yeah growing up i was very unaware of things <laughs> yeah. yeah i'd say well i'd say most kids are pretty pretty unaware is there a moment where uh where you started to feel like you were more aware and like more awakened to what was going on around you uh let's see uh probably within the past year really that's it well i mean that's when like my perspective really broadened like it's been gradual but for the for the most part of my life it's just been like pretty focused yeah until about within the past year i've really just opened my eyes and like you know what there's a whole world out there (laughs) yeah so what happened that like made you open your eyes to that um well i came home from my year and a half um volunteer trip in new york in october and just being home i was just more aware of things i guess because i met a lot of interesting people while in new york and a lot of different walks of life and so coming home, I realized I'm a different person. It's, it's been a year and a half since I've been back at that house. And so just realizing that there's billions of people here that have unique lives and that they portray themselves in a unique way. And that applies to other people, like it affects people. And so the world we live in, it just has, it's all very squishy. There's no like rigid points. 
And when you find, like, someone who's very, like, strong personality and, like, they will stand by what they say, that, I feel like, is, like, not a rigid point, but, like, a pillar in the world that holds it up. Interesting. Yeah, we do kind of live in a squishy world, don't we? Yeah. Um, Which I, yeah, which I have a lot of thoughts on that we can (laughs) talk about. Um, But... So then you, you mentioned your volunteer trip. That was kind of the third, third aspect of history uh, that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Um, tell me a little bit about that, about the sites that you were touring people around and about your experience there. So in New York, that's... Um, so it was like a missions trip for the church we go to, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so while I was there, that's actually where our church was founded, like organized, not founded, organized in New York. And so there's a a lot of different historic sites that people from our church and people not from our church go and visit just to learn about it. And so I was one of the people that would explain the history of the Smith family, how they got to New York, what role they played in the history of our church. Um, and a couple other key people that really had an impact on the the organization of the church. And is there like a is there a particular story um, within within that that you like really enjoyed telling people like that was um, funny, interesting, pivotal, like on whatever kind of end of that spectrum. Um, that you thought was probably the most interesting thing, at least to you and hopefully to the people you shared it with? One of the most interesting stories, we wouldn't share it very often, usually because a lot of people wanted to get through. And there's just, large, in the summertime, thousands of people come through. And so you kind of have to, like, moderate the stories you tell to to keep the time flowing. But for those that are genuinely interested and have the time and we have the time then oh my goodness there's so many fun stories but this one it's about um the smith family they it's about mother and father smith um the the main story is about their son joseph but this one's about uh, mother and father smith and uh, the book of mormon was just printed they had a bunch of copies in their home They were just going about their day. Father Smith was coming down with an illness. He was getting kind of sick. And so Mother Smith was making a stew, a broth for him. And then all of a sudden, there's a loud knock at their door. And their home is quite small. It's a humble log cabin. It's nothing fancy. The most fancy thing about it was they had windows. That's it. But there was this loud knock at the door, and so Mother Smith, she opens the door and is like, hello, what's up? Not like that, she wouldn't say what's up, but <laughs> um, if I were there, that's what I would say. But it turned out that the people that were knocking at the door was someone that loaned some money to Father Smith, $7.50, I think. No, it was, it was $17, I think, $10. It's been a while since I've told this story. I think it was $10 that 
loaned $10 to the Smith family. And he was demanding um, that money to be returned. He's like, you know what? I, I want my money now. But the Smiths, they only had $7 um, on hand. They didn't have the full $10, the whole, the whole debt that they owed. And so Father Smith was like, I have $7. You can have this. I'll, I'll pay you back as soon as I get the money. But the man was not having it. He's like, no, if you can't pay me, I have the constable right here. He'll just take you to jail. And this was a common thing, like, in the for the time, if someone couldn't pay a debt, the 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 person who loaned the money would bring the constable to their house and say, "If you're not going to pay me, just right. you're just going to go to jail, debtor's jail." And honestly, a lot of people went to debtor's jail at the time because not a lot of people were wealthy, <laughs> and so Father Smith, he's like, "Listen." we're we're just we're working really hard it's almost time for harvest we'll we'll have the money soon but the guy he like i said he's not having it and so mother smith she pulls off her necklace which is made of gold beads and says will you take our these gold beads they're much they're mo- much more valuable than the ten dollar debt and the man was like no i'm not gonna take that but I will let the debt slide if you burn every copy of the Book of Mormon that you own right now. Wow. And Mother Smith, she's, she said, that, sir, we shall not do. I like to think of her as kind of a sassy woman. She has a lot of classic remarks, I say. Very just, she's an empowered woman. But they said no. And so the constable took Father Smith and, like, tied him up. He was like, we're going to go to jail you're going to go to debtor's jail. And so right before they left, like, so Father Smith, he was sick at the time. Like he was falling ill. And Mother Smith, she's like, let me at least feed him this broth that I just made him. And the constable was like, no, but I'll take the broth. So he, he took the soup and let Father's, Father Smith just like sit outside in the hot sun waiting for him as he finished his soup. So rude. And so Father Smith went to debtor's prison and was just sick, malnourished. They weren't feeding him right, and he just couldn't get better. One of his sons, Samuel Smith, he came home from a missions trip. Um, and he came home to his mother and was like, where's dad? Where's Father Smith? And she's like, oh, he's in debtor's prison. Will you go take care of him? I can't really go very often. Um, here's some food, take it to him. And so Samuel Smith went right away. Like he didn't even take us, like he didn't sleep or anything. He got home probably exhausted from walking all day and then went straight to debtor's prison to visit his father, helped him get better and said, dad, you can get out of here. You know how to make barrels. Um, his father was a very skilled barrel maker, Cooper. And so he created barrels and sold them in debtor's prison which is something you could do so that you could repay the debt. Mm -hmm. But while Father Smith was there, he talked with three people um, that were willing to listen about the Book of Mormon. And after they all got out of debtor's prison, um, those three men were baptized into the church. Mm. And I think that's really cool because Father Smith, he got thrown into prison for standing up for what he believed in. And 
yet he was still able to share the gospel with the people he was just around. That's awesome. That's that's one of my favorite stories. I don't get to share that one very often, though. Well, now you just shared it with everybody. You're welcome. So, yeah, that is really cool. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious then, um, we're kind of leading into the end of, end of this. Um, but I want to know, um, what, like, what you hope your future holds, like what's next for you? What's next? I, my biggest goal in life right now is to be financially independent. Um, I am going to be going home soon and starting a business for my parents. They are both very crafty people. It runs in my family. And so I'm going to be creating an Etsy shop for them and selling things and working just to get on my own two feet. And then hopefully I'll come back to college eventually, get my degree, and go work. Live your life. That's awesome. That's great. Um, And then I have have two, two final questions. Um, the first one, uh, since we talked about history throughout this whole thing, that was most of our conversation was talking about other cultures, histories, and, you know, um, not, not, not as focused on you as these, these episodes normally are. Um, but I was really fascinated to hear like what your view and what your experience has been with history. So I'm going to lift, um, a, a question that my friend Rosie asks all of her guests on her podcast, on her history podcast, which is, um, if you could go to any time in history, um, you had a time machine, you could go and you weren't worried about like diseases and whatever. Um, and you could just like go and be there and kind of experience it without all the awful things. Where would you go and why? That is a really hard question. (laughs) I'm going to have to think about it. Hold on. So I would want to go to the 50s to experience the fashion high. I Fashion intrigues me yeah. to no end. Um, but I have a fa- like a specific fascination with 50s fashion. I love the poodle skirts. I love the way they dressed at that time. I, th- I think it's very fun. Mm. And I kind of want to bring it back because... It is very fun. I mean, why not? Why not? That's awesome. That's yep. super rad. Interesting. Yeah, that that is a uh, a very unexpected. Talking about ancient history, and then I go to the fifties. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, probably to the fifties for the fashion. It's like, really? Yeah, I don't think I'd want to go wear togas or. Oh, I'd wear togas. I mean, that'd be fun, but for like a day. Right, but it's not like it's not the same. You don't get the same variety. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can jive with that. I get that. Um, okay. Then this is my last question. And that is at the end of your life, when you've done everything, you've lived your whole thing, um, and you're looking back, what is it that you're most pleased with? And what is it that you're most satisfied with about the life you've lived? I want to look back on my life and be satisfied that I've stuck with my morals. That's what I really want to to look back on and say, you know what? Those were my beliefs and I I stuck with them. That's probably the biggest thing. That and enjoying time with the people I like. 
I think that's excellent. Well, thank you very much for having joined me today. It's been very fun. And thank you for listening. Not just to this show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more to the people around you, the people in your life that you just happen to know. Take some time, just five minutes, to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.